Go with me again to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll look at verse 21, although I know you know it by now. It's deeply engraved in your heart. And our confession over the last number of weeks has been, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And that is taken from this scripture here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, for he made him, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us. And I want you to pay careful attention to these words today, that we might become that we might become, become what? The righteousness of God in Christ. That is what's right with you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. And in a world where we are taught and trained and nearly disciplined to focus on what's wrong with us, as believers living by the spirit of faith, Walking by faith, we have to access a new nature that doesn't focus on what's wrong. We look to what's right. So for weeks now, we've been asking and answering this question, what's right with you? And this is the answer. I am the righteousness of God in him, in Christ Jesus. Amen. The New Living Translation says it this way. God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin that we could be made right with God. Are you right with God? That is the question. That is the big question. And I know people ask a lot of questions in life and they wonder about a lot of things, but here is the question that matters most. Are you right with God? And you ask a lot of people that question and their answer might be, I don't know. Some people might just flat out tell you, no, I'm not. Well, the good news is you can be. That's why he gave us Jesus that's why Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be sin for us, that you might become the righteousness of God in him, or that you might be made right with God. You can know today that everything between you and God is right, if you'll find out who you are in Jesus. The Amplified Classic Bible says, For our sake, he made Christ to be sin who knew no sin. So that in and through him we might become endued with, viewing as being in and examples of the righteousness of God. That means what we ought to be, approved, acceptable, and in right relationship with him by his goodness. This is what it means to be right. This is what's right with you. You are approved of by God, not disapproved. You are accepted, not rejected. And you are in right relationship with him if you are in Christ Jesus. One of the greatest things you or anybody else in this world will ever find out is who they are in Jesus and who Jesus is in them. And as you read the scriptures, as you fellowship with God and his word, that is what you should be looking for all the time. When you read your Bible, as we read together as a church, we read that chapter every day. You should be digging through that. Reveal to me more, Jesus, of who I am in you and who you are in me. That's identity. And what I've come to see as we've digged into this, is that the right word? Digged? As we've dug deeper, let's say it like that, into this topic, um, that that's what the Lord has been talking to us about more than anything, is identification. 
to find out that you are right with God or that you are the righteousness of God in Christ is really just to find out who you are. It's about identification. And this is what the Lord has focused on so much as we've studied about this, is revealing to us that Jesus gave us the legal right. Are you listening? The legal right to identify with him. And as a minister of the gospel, this is the biggest part of my job, is to get you to identify with him. What I discovered early on, 10, 15, even 20 years ago when I began preaching, was this subtle, almost subconscious pressure that I felt as a minister to get the people to, for some reason, identify with me. And I remember years into preaching, I was before the Lord one day studying and praying, and he told me to, in this upcoming message, talk about some things, some things I had been through, some challenging things, and, and just to give my personal testimony about that. And I did. And I experienced something in that service, after that sermon, that I'd never experienced before. I, I, we might say it like this, I got real transparent. Some people say vulnerable, right? Where I, I gave details, like I said, about some challenging things I'd been through and the testimony in my life and so on. Well, after that service, man, I had a line of people. I never had a line of people. I never had a line of people telling me, wow, wonderful. But I had a line of people that were telling me, I'm so glad you said that. That helped me so much. I've been through the same thing. And on one hand, I'm glad that it helped those people. But looking back on it now, you know, a week later, I thought to myself, I'm going to tell them something else I did. <laughs> I'm going to tell them something else I've been through. Let me tell them something else about my life. And that doesn't sound bad, and maybe it's not, but, but as a minister, I have to check the motive. And what I realized the next time I got up to minister and shared that, what I could sense in the middle of it, there's no anointing on this. There's no grace to be sharing this right now. And I discovered without realizing it, what I was trying to do is solicit that response again or get people to identify with me. But you don't want a preacher or a pastor who you can identify with. Now, that's a trick of the enemy, isn't it? Because we hear people say all the time, man, I really like that preaching. I really identify with them. Okay, but what's greater here? You identifying with me or you identifying with Jesus? Paul even said it like this. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, our Lord. I don't need you identifying with me. You don't need to be identifying with me. I need to preach the gospel to you until you begin to identify with Jesus. I need you identifying with him, with his victory. Amen? And what Jesus has done through his death, his burial, his resurrection, has given us the legal right to identify with him. He has invited us into this. And this is why the scripture says we were crucified together with him. We were buried together with him. We were raised together with him. And we have been seated together with him. That's identification. Now, I look back on my life, and I know yours as well. Um, I didn't go to a cross. Did you? No. 
I wasn't buried in a tomb. I didn't go into the heart of the earth three days and three nights. I wasn't raised from the dead. And yet, through faith in him, heaven records it that I did those things. Because righteousness is not based on you being the one that went to the cross. Righteousness is not based on you being the one that was buried and raised again. Righteousness is based on your faith in the one who was. Amen. And through your faith in him, he's given you the legal right to identify with him. So I can say I was crucified with him. I can say I was buried with him. I was raised with him. And I am seated with him in heavenly places. Even though my physical body didn't do all that, my faith in him gives me the legal right to say I identify with him. Your righteousness is about your identification. Amen. Now let me tell you what I don't identify as and what you shouldn't identify as. I don't identify as a sinner. Now that sounds funny to us, doesn't it? Because we're trained in church culture and in religion to say we're all sinners. Have you ever heard anybody say that? We're all just sinners. People will say we're all just sinners saved by grace. But in the words of my grandfather, you can't be both. <laughs> you either are an old sinner or you've been saved by grace, but you cannot identify as both. That's schizophrenic. That is spiritual schizophrenia. You can't identify as both. I don't identify as a sinner. Now, that's not me saying I've never sinned. That's not me saying I haven't and don't miss it. That's me saying I don't identify with that. I identify with the one who rose again victorious over sin, conquered it. So when I do miss it and mess up, I run to that one. And like we talked about back in the beginning of this series, my repentance restores that relationship. The blood cleanses me of all un righteousness, and I identified not with the sin, but with the one victorious over it. This matters, church. It matters how you identify. I don't identify as a sinner. I identify as one approved of. I identify as one accepted. I identify as one in right relationship with God. Can you say that? I identify. That's a pretty familiar expression nowadays, isn't it? Well, we should be doing some identification. And when anybody and everybody can identify as anything they apparently want to be, you and I can identify. And yet we've got a source for it. We're not making stuff up here. We can identify as the righteousness of God in Christ. Let me tell you what else I don't identify as, and you shouldn't either. I don't identify as sick. And I don't care what my body says. I don't care what it's screaming at me at any given time. I don't care what the report or the diagnosis is. I don't identify as the sick one. Are you with me? This is so important. Because when you begin to identify with that sickness, when that sickness becomes a part of your identity and you see yourself inseparable from it, that's when it becomes 
hard to receive healing. Receiving healing is not a complicated thing until you identify with the sickness. And those things that we call them chronic things that try to hang around in our lives for a long time, pain here, pain in this joint, bad eye, bad ear, bad heart, bad lungs, bad liver, and you've had these things for a long time. If you're honest, the temptation is to begin to identify with that. And you start setting limitations up in your life. I can't do that because of this. I can't go there because I am this. I am diabetic. I am sick. I am I, I do have chronic pain. That's identification. I don't identify as sick. And people may say to you, well, you're just pretending. This isn't about pretending. Faith calls those things that be not as though they are. We're not pretending it doesn't exist. We're not trying to bury our heads in the sand and saying, there's no such thing as back pain. You know when you hurting. But I'm talking to you about identification identification. I don't identify as sick. Okay, so what do I identify as? Well, if Jesus has invited me and given me the legal right to identify with him, in him, by him, then I don't identify as sick. I identify as the one who's by his stripes, I'm healed. See, it's a different identification. And that's what righteousness is about. It's about your identification. I don't identify as broken. I'm saying these things because they're, they're so commonplace, even among Christians, even among believers, which should tell us there is a serious identity crisis in the church. We don't know who we are. We've all heard it said, we're all just sinners. Have you ever heard this one? We're all just broken people. That is is a wrong identity. That's not the right identification. I don't identify as broken. I identify with Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, which says, I am complete in Him. Now, don't forget those last two words. I am complete, how? In Him. So I don't identify as the broken. I identify as the complete in Him. And people can live through this life if they want to, believing they're a broken mess. But why should we? When Jesus paid the price that he paid, when Jesus has invited us into a right relationship with God where all these broken pieces can be put back together and you don't have to be a, a puzzle with a bunch of missing pieces, you can be complete in him. Yes. That's your identification. Say it again. I identify... As complete, as complete in him. In These things matter. How you identify matters. I don't identify as poor. I don't identify as poor, and I don't care what the bank account tells me. I don't care how much I don't have and how much I appear to need. I do not identify with the lack. Even if it's there, I'm not going to identify with it. 
any more than I would identify with sin, any more than I would identify with sickness or brokenness, why should I identify with poverty? And yet this is the pervasive identity that the church would love for you to take on, that, that religion wants you to possess. We're all just poor people. Why would you identify that way? When Jesus, who was rich, but for your sake became poor so that you through his poverty might become does that sound like 2 Corinthians 5 21 that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ why would I identify with lack when he became that so I could become something else it makes no sense for me to identify with sin when Jesus went to the cross to gain my victory over it it makes no sense for me to identify with sickness when Jesus took stripes on his back so that I could identify with the healing. It makes no sense for me to identify as broken when he put me back together and in him I am complete. So why on earth would we identify as poor, lacking, always behind, always coming short and thinking somehow that's the mysterious will of God when he has invited us into right relationship with him, given us a new identity that through his poverty we might become rich. And in case you're sitting there going, well, that's spiritual richness. Look it up. That's right here in this book of 2 Corinthians. And it's chapter 8. And he's talking to them about M-O-N-E-Y. He's talking to them. He's talking about their giving. He's talking about their offerings. And he said, I want you to abound in this grace also. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I'm going to say it again until all that old religion just falls off you. Don't pretend that's not in there. Amen. How do you identify? That's what this righteousness is all about. It's a new identity. Now, we looked at this verse for several weeks in a row. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1, that says, The wicked flee. Now, remember what we talked about last week, I think it was? The wicked. We tend to think of that as somebody who just does bad things, wrong things. And that's in there. But the definition of the word literally means the condemned, the judged. And that's not us. I said, that's not us. We're not the condemned. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Condemnation is no longer your identity. But those who are condemned, he says, they flee when no one pursues. They live a lifestyle of fear. But in contrast, the righteous, what are you supposed to say? I heard it. That's me. The righteous are bold as a lion. So we talked for several weeks about this uncommon boldness, which is supposed to be a defining characteristic of somebody who is the righteousness of God and believes they are the righteousness of God. That's the big part of it right there. Do you actually believe that you are? Well, how do I know if I believe that? There will be a boldness you will live your life with a boldness and an uncommon boldness. 
boldness and confidence in the face of uncertainty. And when the rest of this world is running backwards in fear, you're running forward in faith, man, with this boldness that rises up on the inside. Well, where does that boldness come from? It comes from knowing who you are. It comes from knowing your identity. This boldness that we have in him comes from knowing who we are in him. Now listen to this. To some, what I'm saying might sound like arrogance, but it's not. It's important that we know the difference between arrogance and boldness. Arrogance would be self-identifying as righteous. Or you might call it self-righteousness. Thinking that you are right in and of yourself. Arrogance is this self-awareness and it is a lack of awareness of Jesus. But boldness is not arrogance. Boldness is just the result of knowing who you are in Him. Not who you are in you. Who cares about that? Who cares about who you are in you? What you want to know is who you are in Him. And when you find that out, boldness is the result. Now, the, the example we looked at was the children of Israel standing at the threshold, man, of this promised land that God had delivered them out of Egypt and brought them to and told them, it's yours. Go take it. Take it. And so he told them, you send out some spies and go check out the land. And Moses got together spies, and he sent them into the land. He told them some things to look for. What he didn't tell them was go find out if it's possible. He didn't say, go find out if you think you can do this or not. But that's what they did. Twelve spies went into the land, and they brought back a report to Moses and the congregation of the children of Israel. And they said, oh, yeah, it's a good land. It flows with milk and honey. Here's the fruit from it. Great land, but it's got giants in it. It's got tall walls. And they came back with the report, it's impossible. There's no way we can take it. We cannot do this because of all these giants. And if you remember in, what was it, Numbers chapter 13, 10 of those spies came back and said, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in theirs. What's the problem? Identification. Now, identifying as a grasshopper, that doesn't sound too strange to us in 2023. We've heard lots of people identifying as lots of things. But this should not be their identification. And yet it is. We are like grasshoppers. Listen to the order. In our sight, so we were in theirs. People are convinced, have you noticed this, the way that others see them? But really what it is is a revelation of how you see yourself. We see ourselves as grasshoppers, so they must also. Wrong identification. And it was in chapter 14, actually right around there, 13 and 14, that even though those 10 spies were saying, it can't be done, it can't be done, it can't be done, this man Caleb and his buddy Joshua, they spoke up. The Bible says they quieted all the people, told everybody to sh sit down and shut up. And Caleb said, 
we are well able. Now that's different, isn't it? That is a different report than there's no way, we can't do it, it's impossible. Yet here's Caleb who saw all the same stuff the other ten saw, and he said, y'all shut up. Yes, we can. We are well able. And he said this, let's go right now and take it. Take it. Now that ought to mean something to you and to me, because the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 4, has said to us, come boldly to the throne of grace. That sounds strange, doesn't it? You want me to go in there boldly? People think about God and coming before God, and they think about groveling and crawling and hoping they don't get smited, whatever that means. <laughs> but that is not how he invited you to come in. He said, come boldly. Well, where does that kind of boldness come from? It comes from your identification. I'm not coming in before the throne in the name of Jeremy. There's no boldness in that. That's arrogance. But when I come before the throne of grace in the name of Jesus, that is identifying with him, I can come boldly. He said, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help. And going back just a few weeks ago, we've decided that at any given moment in our lives, those are the two things we need more than anything else. You and I are in constant need of mercy and grace to help. And if it's not one, it's the other. And most of the time, it's both. Say it out loud. I need some mercy. I love mercy. I need grace. You are acknowledging when you say that, I'm not able to do this on my own. I need grace to help. Whatever it is you need help with, there's grace to help with it. If you need some help parenting, guess what? There's grace for that. People like to talk about how there's an app for everything. There's an app for that. Oh, there's an app for that. Well, I can do you one better than that. There's a grace for that. You need help in your marriage? There's a grace for that. You need help in, in, in the health of your physical body? There is grace for that. You need help in your finances? There is grace for that. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.